Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Job, he says, I heard about you, and when I saw you, oh, I hate myself. I hate myself. And I repent in dust and ashes. This is what happened to Peter. Peter, in Luke 5.8, Luke 5.8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Well, and this is now happening to John the Baptist. He sees the Lord Jesus, and John has been baptizing sinners to repentance, and now he sees himself as a really big sinner of baptism. He's in repentance, and so he asks the Lord trade places. I mean, John just uh, had just seen it was not right for the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be baptized. And now he says, it's not right for me to baptize the Lord, but it's right for the Lord to baptize me. All right, so there John is, and, and he sees the Lord. He sees the sinless Lord who had nothing to confess. He wasn't confessing, nothing to repent of. And John is, is asking the question, why do you want to be baptized this is the baptism of sinners and for repentance. You don't know, you're not a sinner. You don't have anything to repent of. And, and so it's a good question, right? Maybe we ask the same question too. Why did the Lord come to be baptized? Well, the answer is really contained in two words. In two words that the Lord said in, in his answer. And the Lord says, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Words are now and righteousness, now in righteousness. First of all, righteousness. He says, we have to do this, John, to fulfill righteousness. It means we have to do this to do what is right. That's righteousness. We have to do those do what is right. So the Lord's telling him, we got to do this now because this is right to do now. Now, the Lord had just started the final three years of his, his the public ministry, his three years, he started the final road to the cross, where he's going to die for the sins of man. He's going to go into the waters of baptism, therefore, as a symbol of death. So it was right that the Lord should be baptized. It was like a commissioning of the Lord for his eventual sacrificial death for the sins of man. So going into the waters and being totally immersed in the waters is symbolic of judgment, of judgment. And since on the cross... The sinless Lord is going to suffer all the judgment that man deserved. He's going to suffer all that. He's going to die for the sins of man. It's right for the Lord to be baptized as a symbol of the judgment that was, that was going to be all on him instead of them, instead of the ones, instead of the others, the sinners there. So baptism was for sinful people. 
And, and that was the people who stood in the line and they were confessing their sins, repenting of their sins. And, and since the Lord, since the sinless Lord was going to take the sins that they were confessing and repenting of and the sins of the whole world on himself, it was right for the Lord Jesus to line up shoulder to shoulder with those people who were confessing their sins. Now, baptism is not only being immersed in the water as a symbol of judgment and death, but baptism is also a rising up out of the water, which is a symbol of salvation. It's a symbol of resurrection from the dead. Therefore, it was right for the Lord to go under the waters of baptism and to be lifted up out of the waters of baptism to show that he would be raised from the dead, and not only him, but all those who followed him. So, and, and that was a great encouragement. That's a great encouragement for us today, I mean, for those facing death. And we all are, we just don't know it. But, it, but and what an encouragement, what an encouragement this is to see the Lord rising up out of the waters of baptism, out of the waters of judgment, out of the waters of death to life. So going under the waters of baptism is symbolic of judgment, rising up out of the waters, symbolic of, of uh, really a change in the judgment, a reversal of the judgment. You know, when the Lord was baptized, he stood in man's place. When he rose up out of the waters, he showed that he changed the judgment for man from guilty to pardoned. Guilty to pardon. So it was right for the Lord Jesus to be baptized, and that was how it was a fulfillment of all rightness of what should be done. So this is what he meant when he said this is a fulfillment of all righteousness. Now, and the other important word that explains what the Lord Jesus did is the word now. He said, he said, he, he didn't just say, just allow this to do, just do this. He didn't say, suffer to be so now. Now. It's very important there. Because what the Lord was telling John was, look, allow my baptism to be done just now. Suffer to be so now. When he, what he was, the word now is packed with meaning because he, he was saying that, look, after thousands of years waiting for the Messiah to redeem man, to redeem him from death and hell, the time has finally come. It's now. It's finally now. At long last, it's come. So the Lord says now, he's saying that, his sufferings into death is going to occur imminently, even those three years. And so, but when you look at over the thousands of years that man's been on earth, it was, it was relatively short. It was going to be quick. It was the now. So he says now. And then as he's saying now, he's also saying that his sufferings and his humiliation is going to be in the now time that he was, when he was there. It was a once time. It was a once for all time. It's not going to be repeated again. It was just now, just at that time. Like it says in Hebrews 10.10, Hebrews 10.10. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Once at that now time for all. So by saying now, the Lord Jesus is saying that his state of these humiliations, being humiliated, was really just for a short period of time. It was just that time and referred to as the now, as it says in Hebrews 10.9. Hebrews 10.9, I mean 2.9, 2.9. Hebrews 2.9 says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So Hebrews, in Hebrews, looking back at this time as we're doing right now, and we're looking at him, we see Jesus, he's made lower than the angels, he's, he's made that way for the suffering of death, 
But it was now in the sense that you never see him like that again. You will never see him like that again. That now period has passed, and now he is seen as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Lord God Omnipotent. This was a very important time here as his baptism because it was a time of his great commissioning for his death. I mean, you know, people accomplish their greatest works in their lifetimes, but he accomplishes his greatest work in his death time when he died, when he destroyed death and the devil. Now, for John the Baptist, who's obviously a key player in all this, he's really involved in this, what an honor, what an encouragement for John just to hear the Lord use the word us, us, verse 15, verse 15, for thus it becometh us. You and me, John, the Lord is saying, is John and the Lord to fulfill all righteousness. And John hears that and he understands. He says, wow, I've been called upon. This is my great opportunity to join with the Lord to do this which is right. And then it says in verse 15, it's no wonder, it says, then he suffered him. He agreed. So the Lord's baptized. He's baptized in verse 16. And it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. There's a special note there in verse 16. It doesn't just say he was baptized and that was it. It says he was baptized and he went up straightway out of the water. It's very important, that little phrase, he went up out of the water. It's obvious. Everybody came up out of the water. But this is said here about the Lord. He came out of the water. Now, that statement, out of the water, triggers certain events which happened. You say, out of the water. Really, a creation. The earth came out of the water. You could say, the earth was saved out of the water. During the flood, Noah and his family were saved, and they came out of the water, and they were saved. Egypt, when Moses was born, he was saved as he came out of the water. Psalms, it says, as David said, thou hast saved me out of the water. And then at the Red Sea, all the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel were saved out of the water, out of the water. So this is how baptism it's so important with this phrase, out of the water. And so the Lord has come out of the water and his followers will come out of the water as a symbol of being saved out of death into eternal life. And as soon as he comes out of the water, as soon as he comes out of the water, it says in verse 16, lo, the heavens were opened unto him. Now, the heavens were opened unto him. Now, that was a message that as soon as he comes, as he dies and as soon as he's coming out in resurrection out of the waters of baptism, the three days later he's going to rise from the dead, symbolized by him coming out of the waters of baptism. And then he's going to be received back into heaven. And so that's symbolized here by the heavens opened up to him after the waters of baptism. And then it says in verse 16, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. So the heavens are open, and the Spirit of God, like a dove, descends on him. Now, that's interesting. It's interesting that of all the animals that God could have chose to represent the Spirit of God, it's the dove. It's the dove. I mean, the dove, the dove is a, is a very gentle animal. Easily goes away. He scares easily. And the Spirit of God is gentle. 
The Spirit of God speaks to us in a gentle manner, like the dove. For example, it says in 1 Kings 19.11, when God was going to speak to Elijah, 1 Kings 19.11, he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The prophet Elijah hears the Spirit of God as gentle as a dove, speaking in a still, small voice. It's happened the same to the prophet Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah heard the Spirit of God speaking from behind him like a gentle dove. He says in Isaiah 30, verse 21, Isaiah 30, 21, thine eyes shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. That's what the Spirit of God does for us. He guides us gently through life with a still small voice behind us like a dove. And he says, no, you're going the wrong way. Turn, go this way. Don't do that. And the Spirit of God, therefore, here is seen as, as like a dove descending. And it doesn't just say he flew around, but it says that the dove descended and lighted upon Jesus, landed uh, on the Lord Jesus. And when that happened, again, it triggers memory. It triggers a memory. You call to remember the first mention of the dove in the Bible. And, and you remember that. That was with Noah. When it says in Genesis 8.10, Genesis 8.10, when Noah was floating on that water for over a year, it says, he stayed yet other seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove which returned not again unto him anymore. So here's Noah. He's, on, he's in this treacherous waters of the flood. He needs to know if there's any dry land out there for him to come out of the waters, to come out of the ark. And so he opens up the window of the ark, and he takes the dove, and he just he lets it loose. It's the morning time. He lets it loose, and he waits, and he's got the window open, and he's looking all day long. He doesn't see the, the dove. And he goes, oh, no, what happened? He drowned or something like that. And so, and then in the evening, when it was, hope was really fading away, in the evening, the dove appears. And the dove appears with an olive leaf in her mouth. And that olive leaf that the dove brought back was a message. It was a very strong message to Noah. He knows there is a place of dry land. There is a place for me to be saved from these waters. There is a place where I can land safely and live and not die in these waters. And this is the the, the message that the dove brought back to Noah, a message of hope, that there was hope, there was a place to to Noah. And, 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 you know, in the same way, in the same way, we're like Noah. Uh, We were like Noah on the waters of life, desperate, fearing we're going to be drowned in our sins, wondering, is there any hope for me? Is there any any way out of this? Is there any hope for me? And just like the dove brought the message that there is hope, 
with the olive leaf that she brought back to Noah, the Spirit of God brings us the message, yes, there is hope. There is hope for you. You can be saved. You can have your sins forgiven. You can become a child of God. You can have a change of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just like the dove bringing back the olive to to Noah brings him hope. The Spirit of God brought us hope. Brought us hope. It might have been in a Bible study. It might have been through reading the Bible. It might have been through listening to Billy Graham on the radio. It might have been to listening or whatever. But all of a sudden, it was the Spirit of God with the olive leaf in her mouth saying, there's hope for you. This can be for you. And then after seven days, Noah again takes the dove. He takes the dove, and he lets it loose. And he lets it loose. He's got the window open. And he watches, and the dove doesn't return. The evening comes, the dove doesn't return, and he watches, and he watches, and he realizes she's not coming back. She's not coming back. Why? Because she found a resting place. She found a place for herself, a nest out there, and she didn't need to return anymore to that ark. She was finished with that ark. That's not my home anymore, the dove would have said. This is not my home anymore. I have a new home. Here, I found a new resting place. And, and no one understood this. And in the same way, when the Lord Jesus came out of the waters of baptism there, and the dove from the heavens descended from the sky and landed on the Lord Jesus. You know what that showed? That showed how the Lord Jesus is the resting place. The dove was showing, just like from Noah's day, if the dove in Noah's day found a resting place. The dove comes out, lands on the Lord Jesus, showing he's the only true resting place, just like the Noah's Ark did. And it, it, very much in keeping with what the Lord said in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight, He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. It's almost like a, the, the, whatever tree the dove found. Like the tree was saying to the, to, to the dove, come to me. Come to me. You've been flying around there. You're about ready to collapse. Come to me. I'll give you rest in my branches in my tree. And then the dove lands. And the Lord Jesus is saying the same thing there. And it just as the dove from Noah came and lighted on that tree, wherever it was, and found rest, So the dove from heaven comes and lights on the Lord Jesus, saying, he's the rest for your souls. And what happened? We find a resting place. We found a resting place in the Lord Jesus. And that dove in Noah's day didn't go back there anymore to the ark. It was finished with the ark. The days of the ark were done. And so it is with us. Our our old life, is we're done. We found a resting place like the dove in the Lord Jesus Just like the song says, the song says, today I went back to the place where I used to go. Today I saw the same old crowd I used to know. When they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Today I went back to the house where we used to live. My little boy ran and hid. I said, son, don't be afraid. You've got a new daddy. Thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore. The dove left the ark. He never returned again. She found a new new, new resting place. She says, I don't live there anymore in that ark. 
And after his baptism, the Holy Spirit, as a dove, landed on Jesus, showing, here's your new resting place. And we leave our own life. We find our new life in the Lord Jesus. And then we say, thank you, Calvary. I don't live there anymore. Well, then there's a voice. There's a voice that comes from heaven in verse 17. It says, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's God the Father. God the Father now speaks from heaven. He breaks through the silence, the barrier of the skies with a voice. And he makes this glorious announcement that John the Baptist says, you know, he's going to come baptize with fire and he's going to, he's going to purge the, uh, the floor and the unquenchable fire and he's mightier than me and I'm not worthy to do his, uh, his shoelaces. And then God the Father says, yes, true, true, true. But I also want you to know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he makes the announcement. He makes the announcement from Proverbs 8.30, Proverbs 8.30, and it says, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. There's such a union. There's such a union of love and delight between God the Father and God the Son that it's really, not, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really hard for us to even understand it. And if there's one simple expression that the Lord Jesus said to, to tell about this special union, it was just so very simply put in, in, in John 10.30, in John 10.30, when the Lord just said, I and my Father, we're one. We're echad. We're just one. That's it. That's it. We are two persons, two persons, two persons, but we are one. We are The love between us has made us one. And there's really just a few times, few very unique times in the Bible where all three members of the Trinity can be seen. Really not very often. See, but in, like, for example, in Isaiah 48, 16, Isaiah 48, 16, where he says, Come ye, come ye near unto me, hear this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I. So this is the eternal one speaking. The, eter- the person from eternity is God. He's speaking. He says, come near to me. He says, from the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit had sent me. That's one of the few times when you see the Lord God, God the Father, and the spirit of the Lord sending God the Son. Very few times. And here is a unique time also in Scripture where you have the Spirit, God the Spirit, present in the dove. He's descending from heaven. He's landing on the Lord Jesus. Where you have God the Father, present, speaking from heaven, saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then you have God the Son coming up out of the waters of baptism. And the occasion, this grand occasion, for the presence, visual presence of the Trinity of the Godhead, was the commissioning of the Lord Jesus, God the Son, for his death, for the sins of man. And the death of the Lord Jesus was just that important. The first Adam closed the door of heaven. He was driven out of the garden, and the angels were there with the flaming sword to make sure he didn't come back. And now the second Adam is opened the door to heaven by his obedience. First Adam closed the door by his rebellion. Second Adam opens the door to heaven by his obedience. This is the baptism of the Lord Jesus, which starts his public ministry. And next week we'll continue on.
the beginning of his public ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us also to enjoy your beloved Son in whom you are well pleased. For allowing us to become like you, Father, and to say he's, our, he's your beloved Son, he's our beloved Savior. And together we are well pleased in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 